Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold, and we are going to continue our study of people from the Old Testament. We've been at this now probably for five months, and no sign of it slowing down because we've got a lot of people to learn about. We are going to talk to uh, Dr. Jarrett Stevens today. He is the senior pastor at uh, Champion Forest Baptist Church in Houston. Got his Master's of Divinity at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary and his PhD from Liberty. And he is the author of several books. And I've had him on before, and I said, I like this guy so much, let's see if we can get him on to talk about the Old Testament character. And he picked Elijah today, Peter. Elijah, and and for such a big name in the Old Testament, I went into the prep for this thinking, well, of course, there's all kinds of things I know about Elijah. And I realized (laughs) I know next to nothing about Elijah. And in fact, I get him confused with Elisha all the time. And so this will be a really helpful hour, I think, moving forward. Well, I think uh, the prophet Elijah is probably one of the most interesting and colorful people in the Bible, and yet I don't think we know a lot about him. Yeah, truly. We, I, he, I mean, he, episodes that we know of, but we're going to learn a lot more from Jared today. Well, and he shows up at the transfiguration with Jesus as well, and and I don't really, again, he, he obviously had a tremendous role, but I'm just surprised at how comparatively little I know about what he did in his ministry. And that's why we do this series, because we're going to learn a lot from Jared. Jared, welcome. Well, thank you so much for having me, Bill. Always a pleasure to be on with you and Peter. Uh, looking forward to visiting with you today as well. Yeah, thank you very much for d- coming on and doing this show because Elijah is, you know, I think you heard us just talking about him. He's a pretty interesting guy and he knew both the power of God and he knew a lot about the depths of depression. So I do yeah. understand and have sympathy and, and would love to uh, learn from you today. And we'll do our best to ask good questions. Yeah, well, we, you know, we can take this any direction you would like uh, as it relates to his life, because to your point, he did, uh, he did battle depression. I think that's an important uh, point that maybe we can talk about as we get going in here, because I know a ton of listeners and, you know, as a pastor, I deal with it all of the time. Uh, you, you know, we, we, uh, talking to people coming out of COVID, of course, and, uh, you go on with the holidays, Thanksgiving and Christmas, and obviously it's such a time of joy. Uh, but it's also a time of, uh, a grief because some people are celebrating the first Thanksgiving or their Christmas, uh, without their loved one at the table. And, uh, I totally understand that as a pastor and walking with families who are going through tough times. So certainly we can get into that, but let me tell you about Elijah. I didn't know much about him either. And in my first book, The Mountains Are Calling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In my first book, The Mountains Are Calling, I was I was talking about these episodes that happen on mountains. And of course I get to Mount Carmel in the Old Testament. And this is well, this is the episode of Elijah's life that most people are aware about, where he calls down fire. And uh we'll certainly get there uh during this next hour and talk about that. Uh, and Peter, you mentioned uh, him being on the Mount of Transfiguration as well, and that's such a powerful moment in the life of Jesus and his inner circle, Peter, James, and John there, when who Jesus is on uh, the inside was manifested on the outside, and they got to see it, and there Jesus is talking to Moses, the great lawgiver, and Elijah, 
the great prophet, and Jesus is a fulfillment of both of those, the law and the prophet. He's the ultimate uh, of the two. And so, uh, so much about Elijah's life. I mean, when Jesus said, who do people say that I am? What did they say? Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, some other prophet. And Jesus said, but who do you say that I am? And of course, Peter's great confession of faith, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. But, uh, you know, I like talking about Elijah because uh, to me, I see in Elijah's life um, a man that God uses. And not only that, a normal man, an average man that God uses. You know, James will use Elijah as an example in his epistle, James chapter 5, verse 17. It said, Elijah was a man just like ours, a nature just like ours. And he prayed, and it didn't rain. And then he prays again, and it rains. And I just think that's important to emphasize because oftentimes we talk about these great men and people of the Bible, and we tend to think that they're super saints, right? We tend to think uh, that they, you know, they're they're just different than us, and so uh, you know, in a different category than us. But I love the fact that James underscores, hey, this is a guy with a nature just like ours, and God used him in amazing ways, and it's just a good reminder. Uh, that God can use all of us. And I believe that's what Elijah's life teaches. I have a book that I uh, have in my study called Power Through Prayer by Ian Bounds. Do you remember him? I have that book. Uh, yeah, great book. Probably the best book on prayer that I've ever read. He was a uh, author, attorney, a Methodist preacher as well. And that's something that you can be a, an attorney and a preacher. <laughs> and, uh, he wrote the best book on prayer, uh, Power Through Prayer. Listen to what he says. He said, men are God's method. The church is looking for better methods, but God is looking for better men. What the church needs today is not more machinery or better, not new organizations or more novel methods, but men who the Holy Spirit can use. And this is the story of Elijah. He found in Elijah a man that he could use. Now, what's interesting is we don't know much about uh, his background. We know that his name means my God is the Lord, mm-hmm. and uh, the Lord is in all caps there. So he was dedicated to Yahweh, to Israel's covenant God. And evidently he was from a very small village. The Bible tells us in First Kings 17 that Elijah, he was a Tishbite from Tishbe and Gilead. And so s- scholars can't even agree where the little town or village of Tishbe was. We know where Gilead is. But if we put all the clues together, it appears that Tishbe was backwoods. It was country. And so I like to think of Elijah uh, like one of the Robertsons from Duck Dynasty. Uh, that's kind of what I like to think of it, mm-hmm. you know. And, uh, but I love it. I love the fact that God decides to use a man that doesn't have any formal education that we're aware of. He doesn't have a family uh, that was well-off or well-respected. He doesn't have any super talents. Uh, that we know about. He's not uber gifted in any way, just a normal everyday guy. Again, James five seventeen, a nature just like ours. And I just think, uh, Bill and Peter, it's so important to underscore and emphasize this, that the person God uses uh, is just a normal person. And, you know, you look throughout history and people who have done such great things for the kingdom of God were just average everyday kind of people. Billy Graham, was just a farm boy from North Carolina, and yet he preached to more people than any person who's ever lived. Bill Bright, the founder of Campus Crusade for Christ, I mean, he grew up on a cattle ranch in Oklahoma, and yet God puts a vision on his heart to change the world. I mean, they put a a map of the world in his office and just asked the question, why not? Why not? And, uh, you know, it it just needs to be underscored 
that God uses average, ordinary people to change the world. Look at the disciples who, according to the book of Acts, were turning the world upside down with the teaching of Jesus. And you're looking at fishermen. You're looking at tax collectors. Uh, I mean, I just I just think it's a beautiful truth uh, that we learn from Elijah's life that God can use any one of us. He's not looking for the super strong and the powerful, the rich and the famous. He's just looking for someone who, like Elijah, has written on his heart, my God is the Lord. That's a person uh, that God can and will use. And, uh, you know, when you look at his life, uh, uh, I, I pull out three characteristics that I think, you know, what is the type of man or woman that God uses? Well, he can use a man or woman who has these qualities in his life. Uh, the first is one of humility, one of humility. Um, you know, the, the, the scripture, when you look in First uh, Kings 17 and 18, we all know the story of First Kings 18 where Elijah calls down fire from heaven. But do you know the, the page between First Kings 17 and First Kings 18? It's just one page in our Bible, but it represents three years of Elijah's life. And what you look at when you study this is that God sent Elijah to a place called Cherith and to a place called Zarephath before he ever called him to Mount Carmel. Uh, I think this is amazing uh, because the word Cherith, you know what it means, guys? I don't know what it means. It means to be cut down, (laughs) to be cut off. And the word Zarephath, you know what it means? In the Hebrew, it means to melt or to smelt. Hmm. Now, again, in the Hebrew language, there was imagery there that's meant to convey a picture. And what I love about this is that before Elijah ever gets to the mountaintop to call down fire and battle false gods, for three years, God takes him to a place where he's cut down at the brook Cherith and where he's being melted and smelted in a place called Zarephath. And I just think that's an interesting spiritual lesson for us because what God was doing before he was getting ready to use Elijah in a big way was he was cutting him down, getting him to the end of himself, getting all that pride gone, that self-reliance to go away. He's cutting down the ego, the desire to please man, and he is preparing Elijah for the battle that would one day come. I just think that's beautiful. Mm. Uh, Chuck Swindoll said in his book about Elijah, listen to this. He said, in essence, God said to Elijah, you need to get out of the spotlight. You need to come up in the mountains alone with me where you can hear my voice clearly. We need more time together. Elijah, you need more training. And I think we, as Christians, we love the mountaintop moments of life where God does great things in and through us and victories. But we've got to understand that before we're ever called to the mountains, sometimes God's got to take us Uh, to the valleys and the desert experiences of life. And this is where we learn life's important lessons. It's what the psalmist said in Psalm 4610, be still and know that I am God. And it was in this time of being at Cherith and being at Zarephath where God was molding Elijah, getting his undivided attention, creating in him a heart of humility where God could use him in a big way. Because I'll tell you, the only person God can't use is the person that doesn't think he needs God. Mm-hmm. It's the person who's prideful. It's the person who's arrogant, the person who thinks they're doing God a favor when they show up. And God was teaching Elijah at Cherith and Zarephath that, listen, you can't do anything without me. Yeah, Jared, you are in the zone. We're going to take a break. 
and I don't want you to do anything. Don't even drink water because <laughs> you are in the perfect zone right now. And when we come back, I want you just the way you are as you continue teaching right. us about Elijah. Dr. Jarrett Stevens is our guest, and we're going to take a break and be right back. Back with Dr. Jarrett Stevens. We're talking about Elijah. And uh, Jarrett, I have a question for you. Peter and I were laughing about this during the break. Uh, is it a hard J or a soft J when you say his name? Uh, Elijah, uh, you know what? I, I, you, you, you take, I'll take whatever you think's best. Yeah, yeah. sometimes uh, I, I say Eli, Elijah because I don't want yeah. people to think I said Elisha. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, that's true. You know, those were two great prophets right there. And they had a mentor relationship yeah. in the Old Testament. When I was doing my doctorate at uh, Liberty, I was writing on uh, the importance of a residency intern program, and I had to give scriptural support for where we see uh, residencies or internships, mentorship programs in the Bible. And, of course, you had Moses and Joshua, and one of the examples I gave was the relationship between Elisha and Elisha. Mm -hmm. And so you're right. you got to know exactly which one you're talking about there. (laughs) Yeah. Peter had a a very interesting question during the break. Peter? Yeah, Jared, I was uh, was curious. I was following along with what you were saying about uh, God taking Elijah into uh, the places of Zarephath and and, uh, being cut down and and being melted a bit. but. I think that all sounds good as I'm listening to it, and, and and I know those experiences even in my own life. I'm sure many people do, but how many of us are really willing to actually ask God to do that work in our life, say that we want to be used, we want to have a purpose within the kingdom that way? Why don't you start by cutting me down? That doesn't seem like a prayer many of us want to ask or to say. No, no, it's not, is it? And, and, that's, and, and that's the thing. We all want the mountaintop. We want to call the gods down, but it's just a reality. You know, I think it was A.W. Tozer that said, God is yet to use a man greatly who hasn't been hurt deeply. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just uh, that's God wants his servants walking with a limp. And um, there's things that God teaches us in the burning times, the smelting times, uh, the cutting down times that we can't learn any other way. And uh, and so, no, we don't uh, like it, but. You know, my encouragement is to not run from it, but instead embrace it, because what I try to tell believers is God isn't mad at you. Uh, He's preparing you. And this is just part of the preparation process. You know, I think it was uh, George Sweeting, who was the former president of Moody Bible Institute. Uh, He said something like this. He said, a Christian's like a teabag. He's not worth much until he's been through some hot water. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that's true, and and we certainly see it in Elijah's life. I mean, he goes from being cut down uh, at Cherith to being tested at this place called Zarephath, uh, where he's being melted and smelted down. And uh, you know, Proverbs, uh, the wisest person to ever lived, Solomon said, and I, I believe it's chapter seventeen, verse three: "The crucible is for silver, and the furnace is for gold, but the Lord tests hearts." And so. Uh, yeah, we, we don't like it, but it's a reality that any person God uses, he's going to put through uh, the fires of affliction. 
He's going to cut down, get us to a place of humility and testing. It's just what happens. And our testing comes in different shapes and sizes, you know, uh, and, and our, our listeners know this all too well. I mean, sometimes the testing comes uh, in the form of an ending of a relationship or maybe walking through the death of a loved one or uh, maybe someone's listening to us and they, they had to close a business that they started and desperately wanted to succeed or it was a door that was shut on a job that you thought uh, was yours, you know, whatever it may be, however God is breaking us, testing us, bringing us to a point of humility, uh, the important thing is that we keep our eyes on him and we stay the course. Uh, Peter wrote in First uh, Peter chapter 4, verse 12 and 13, and talk about the fire of affliction. My goodness, I'm preaching through Acts right now. And, I mean, it was Peter who was arrested in Acts chapter 4, and then again in Acts chapter 5, and then uh, again, in Acts chapter uh, 11, where uh, James was put to death with the sword, and Peter is about to, to be brought out the very next day to be put to death by the sword uh, before he was miraculously delivered by an angel. And uh, that picture, Peter is sound asleep in between the guards. <laughs> and I'm thinking, my goodness, you know, if, if I was about, if I knew that I was about to be put to death, I wouldn't be sleeping like a baby. I'd be crying like a baby. <laughs> and, uh, but Peter, he knew, um, you know, he, he, he goes through the fire, and he would write in First Peter chapter 4, verse 12 and 13, the, the letter that bears his name. Beloved, don't be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share in Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. Uh, now, that's not a natural mindset. Uh, to your point, Peter, none of us like this, but we know that it's the testing of our faith that develops maturity. James put it like this, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect or complete. I believe the NIV ver version uses the word mature, lacking in nothing. And so, you know, uh, specifically here in the West, we as believers, we don't like our pleasures uh, being taken away from us. We don't like experiencing pain. No one does. Uh, but this is the road uh, that Christians have traveled on forever. Uh, this is the way that Jesus develops us and strengthens us and molds us and prepares us. It is the furnace of affliction that is his chosen method to conform us to the image of Christ. So I feel like I should just pause there and say happy uh, Merry Christmas, right? Happy <laughs> uh, but uh, we, it's not the message that we like, but it is the truth of the Scripture. And again, I just want to encourage our listeners that if they are in a time of being cut down, and if they are in a time of being burnt and smelted and tested, hey, don't think that God has forgotten you. Uh, what that means, if you find yourself in this situation, is that God is getting ready to use you. And I don't know how long... Uh, that this test for you is going to last, this cutting down is going to last. For Elijah, it was three years, First Kings 17 to First Kings 18. Your period of preparation may take a shorter amount of time. It may take a longer amount of time. The key is uh, that we keep our faith in God. And um, as we do that, uh, God is growing our heart. He's enlarging our faith. And I'm telling you, we see in Elijah a humble man, a tested man, and then we see an obedient man, and that's what we see in uh, 1 Kings 18 when we get to the, the point that all of us love. Now, 
uh, we're taking a group to Israel, God willing, in 2022, December of 2022. Uh, I love going to the Holy Land. This will be my, I believe, my fourth trip or fifth trip. And my favorite place to preach, Bill and Peter, uh, in the Holy Land, my favorite place to preach is on Mount Carmel. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been there, uh, but there's a huge statue of Elijah with a sword in his hand. And it is right there on Mount Carmel. And I'm telling you, of all the places to preach, I've preached in uh, Jerusalem. I've preached in Galilee. Of all the places to preach, my favorite place to preach is right here on Mount, Mount Carmel. And I teach 1 Kings 18. And what we see is a very obedient man uh, who confronts the most evil king in all of Israel's history. It is something to behold. Yeah, I'm sure we'll cover that after the break. We're going to take a break here in a, in a couple of minutes. Uh, Dr. Jarrett Stevens is our guest. We're talking about Elijah. And when I'm thinking about uh, him being uh, near that brook at, at Cherith, uh, wasn't he being fed by ravens? He was. And isn't that interesting, uh, being fed by ravens? Ravens are a meat-eating bird, and God was using a meat-eating bird to, to carry meat to Elijah. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, to me, to me, uh, yeah, it just highlights the fact that God doesn't operate the way that we do. You know, Isaiah 55, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Deuteronomy 29, 29 says the secret things belong to the Lord. And so God is going to take care of us and he's going to provide for us. And I think the lesson in the fact that the ravens bring that meal, there's probably more than one lesson, but one of the main ones is that oftentimes God's provision for us is not how we think it's going to happen. Uh, he promises to provide. He promises to meet our needs. But how he does it is up to him. And I just I think it's beautiful that God chooses to provide for Elijah in that way. It is pretty amazing. You know, if a raven shows up with a big chunk of meat, I'm not sure I'm going to want to yeah. eat it. depends on how hungry I am. <laughs> yeah. yeah these exactly, are little details. Yeah. Uh, details to stories that I, I find so fascinating. And I think Scripture is so rich, and you start to understand the amazing ways in which God works. Even if it's hard yeah. to believe, you know, I don't I don't question yeah. it. Yeah. Well, and you could read it, you know, that's what I love about God's Word, is that you could study it 24 hours a day, seven days a week for the rest of your life, and you would never uncover the truth and the depths of the gospel. I mean, how often do we read the Bible? Mm-hmm. And we go, I've read that passage 107 times, and I've never seen <laughs> that truth come out. And yeah. that's why, the, you know, the Scripture is alive and active, sharper than a two-edged sword. I like to tell people when, when we read the Bible, it reads us. Oh, and that's what beautiful. makes the, the Bible that. so special. Yeah. So when we come back, uh, Jared, I assume we're going to talk about the face-off with the prophets. That's what the, we're going to talk about, First Kings 18. God, Baal, yeah, First Kings 18. Dr. Jarrett Stevens is our guest, continuing our Old Testament study on uh, Elijah today. We'll be right back.
We're back continuing our study of people from the Old Testament. Dr. Peter Kapsner and I are so glad to have Dr. Jarrett Stevens as our guest. We're talking about Elijah today. If you just joined us, I promise you want to go to the uh, website and make sure you hear this podcast right from the beginning because it's been so good so far. All right, Jarrett, let's get to that big uh, face-off with the prophets of the false god Baal on Mount Carmel. Yeah, the showdown. The showdown. And, uh, you know, what, what we were talking about this before the last break, just the context of the Bible is so rich once you really start looking into the details. And uh, for those that maybe don't aren't familiar with the history of Israel, uh, you know, uh, it, the Bible, the Civil War started uh, after the death of Solomon. And so you have Israel to the north and Judah to the south. And these details are important because in the southern kingdom of Judah, they would have 20 different kings that would reign throughout its history. Less than half of them are described as seeking God or doing any good at all. Most of them were as ungodly as you can get. In the northern kingdom of Israel, they had 19 kings uh, in their history, and none of them are described as good or following the ways of God. In fact, they were flat out evil. But here's the thing. Out of the 19 kings that served the northern kingdom of Israel— there was one that was the most evil of all, and his name was Ahab. He sounds evil. Uh, I like preaching this. I like preaching this. I like preaching this passage of scripture. And when I'm talking to students about the life of Elijah, I say, "Look, anytime I read Ahab, I just want you to boo. I just want you to jeer him." And um, and so I'll read passages. But listen to First Kings 16, how the Bible describes Ahab. And Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord more than all who were before him. I mean, that's saying something. When you have 60 years of murder and idolatry and assassinations in the monarchy to say he did worse than all of them, that's pretty bad. And here's the other thing about Ahab. He had married Jezebel. And uh, I always tell the ladies that are listening to me, if anybody calls you Jezebel, that is not a compliment. Uh, She was as evil as Ahab. Uh, She had the prophets of God murdered uh, by all likelihood. Most scholars think she's the one that introduced – um, Israel to the false god Baal. And so this was a dynamic duo uh, for evil and stirring God to anger. And so this is who God tells Elijah to confront. And so, I mean, just think about this. Here you have this prophet of God uh, who is a, a nobody in the land, and he's going to go to the most powerful evil king in Israel's history and confront him. That to me is just amazing. I, I think, who does that? And I'll tell you who does it. People who obey God like that are people who have been to Cherith or Kareth, as we say, and have been to Zarephath. Mm. I mean, that's the reality. When People who obey God and know that they have to obey him no matter what the cost. We're talking about God using men and women in great ways. The people that, that do what God tells them to do are people who have been humble and they've been tested, and therefore they're obedient. No matter what God tells them to do, no matter what the cost may be, and uh, I think this is so important uh, to just you know emphasize and highlight and underscore is obedience starts in the small things. Elijah would never have obeyed God in this if he hadn't obeyed him first to go to Kareth and then to Zarephath. If he wasn't obedient in the small things, he wouldn't have been obedient in the big things. And, um, you know, for our listeners and those that are uh, engaging with us on this Bible study day, I think that's so important. We've got to be obedient in the small things. If we're not obedient in the small things, sharing our faith when God prompts us, trusting him 
to 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 use every dime out of a dollar that we earn, the tithe, or uh, giving to the work of Christ, trusting Him in using our spiritual gifts to serve Him. If we're not obedient to small things, we'll never be obedient in the perceived big things. Um, and it's in these small things where we see God prove himself over and over again so that the big things become small things because when you're obeying God, that's all that matters uh, is just our obedience to him. So I just, you know, I just think that's important truth to pull out and emphasize uh, that obedience to God matters because when, when Elijah went to this evil king and we think, how on earth did he do this? Well, he's got a track record of God's faithfulness to him because of the three years at Kirith and Zarephath obeying God there. And so you know the showdown. He goes to Ahab and says, Ahab, uh, God wants to see you, and you meet me on Mount Carmel and bring our Carmel and bring all of your prophets of Baal and bring all of the prophets of the Asherah, and uh, it's going to be me versus you. And, I mean, think about that, 850 to 1. With all of Israel watching on, just amazing, Uh, the courage and boldness of Elijah, and uh, he has this courage and this boldness, and I love the question that he poses to Israel. Elijah, in 1 Kings 18, 21, it comes near to all the people and says, how long will you go limping between two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him, and if Baal, then follow him. And the Bible says the people did not answer him a word. How long are you going to limp? How long are you going to hesitate between two opinions? You might say it like this in our modern-day vernacular. How long are you going to straddle the fence, right? How long, uh, for those of our listeners, how long are you going to have one foot in the world and one foot in the church? If God is God, follow him. If if he's not, then what are we doing? We're wasting our time. No more of this lukewarm business. You remember what Jesus said? about the church in Revelation by the name of Laodicea, the Laodicean church. He said, I know your works, that you're neither hot nor cold. Would you be either cold or hot? So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. Um, you know, there, nobody likes lukewarm coffee. I know I don't. No. And, and, and God is not impressed with lukewarm people. And so Elijah said, man, I'm fed up with this. People of Israel, God's fed up with it. And uh, he didn't care who he offended. He didn't care whose feelings he hurt. You know why? Because he was more concerned with offending God and hurting God's feelings. And uh, and that's a good question for all of us to answer. Is, uh, if we're wavering, if we're limping, if we're straddling the fence, how long are we going to do this? And uh, we need to decide today. Draw a line in the sand. You know, this was Elijah's moment of drawing a line in the sand and saying, if God is God, follow him. And if he's not, then don't. But let's not waver. Let's not limp between two opinions. There's no power in that. And so he comes up this idea, and he says, listen, we're going to make a sacrifice. And uh, he says, prophets of Baal, you put your offering together, and I'll put my offering together, and uh, we'll call on God. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. And so he says, prophets of Baal, you first. And if you read the story, we don't have time to read it, but you can read verses First uh, Kings 18. Uh, you know what happens. I mean, they make their offering, and they cry out, the Bible says, uh, and they're running around. And, of course, the God's not answering because he is no God. And Elijah, he begins to mock them. Uh, it's amazing. You know, Elijah goes, 
from uh, he starts talking smack to these prophets of Baal. Uh, it's amazing. He says, you know, what is this, where's your God? Is he is he sleeping? Is he out using the restroom? Is he on a journey? What's going on? And no voice answers uh, these prophets of Baal crying out because they're false gods. And they may have ears, but they can't hear. They're not real gods. Psalm 115, I love this verse, uh, Bill, Peter, just, you know, when you travel the world and you see, uh, you know, we're not used to here in the West seeing idols and people bowing down to idols, but you go over uh, to places like India and Thailand and some of these far Eastern countries, you see idols everywhere. And these prophets of Baal, you know, they're bowing down to these little idols. Psalm 115 says this, why should the nation say, where's their God? Our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of human hands. They have mouths, but do not speak. Eyes, but do not see. Ears, but do not hear. Noses, but do not smell. They have hands, but do not feel. Feet, but do not walk. And they do not make a sound in their throat. And the scripture says, those who make them will become like them. And so do all who trust in them. Uh, You know, there's no God like our God. And the false gods of the world, the gods that we give ourselves to, and we may not have idols like those in far eastern countries, but we bow down here in the States to sports and entertainment. We bow down to the false gods, sexual immorality and pornography, the gods of wealth and accumulation, power and politics. I could go on, worldly success, earthly glory. These gods, they're as much as uh, false idols as um, the idols of the East, the idols of the Baals. They can't see our need. They leave us empty. They don't hear our prayers. They can't move on our behalf. Um, They're false gods. And the only God that can answer by fire, that can move on our behalf, that can speak into our lives, that actually hears our prayers, is the living God of Scripture. And this is what happens when it's Elijah's time to offer his sacrifice. He, of course, builds the altar, and he says, look, put water on it. Uh, Put four jars of water on it. Drench it in water. Hmm. Do it a second time, a third time. I mean, he puts water all around. And what was he doing? He was showing that if this God's going to answer by fire, it's going to have to be supernatural because the offering was soaking wet. And the Bible says that Elijah there in 1 Kings 18, he calls on God. And in that moment, the fire of the Lord, the Bible says, falls and consumes the burnt offering, the wood and the stones and the dust. And all of the water that was in the trench, it goes around. That's, you know, that's four and a half gallons of water, according to, to measuring standards of the Bible, was poured on that offering. And God answers by fire. And he, he doesn't just answer by fire. He, he consumes the offering itself, all the water. It's as dry as it was before they started. Isn't that amazing? Uh, the miracle that comes back from, from uh Elijah demonstrating that we serve the one true God. And, um, you know, I I think uh, I say this to sometimes, sometimes, you know, sometimes God shows up in our life and sometimes God shows off. Hmm. (laughs) And and in first, first Kings 18, God shows off. Um, You know, I, I could take this whole message and, say, you know, use it as the process of having the power of God in our life, because that's what God demonstrated his power in and through one man. But if you look at his life, uh, Bill and Peter, what God did 
was Elijah had to sit still, and that's what Kareth and Zarephath were about. He had to speak up because God told him, you speak up to the king Ahab. He had to stand strong because it wasn't just going against King Ahab. He was going to get 850 other false prophets, and then he had to step back uh, because when he stepped back, God showed up, and God showed off. And it's amazing. You read First Kings 18. The Bible says when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces, and they said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. We're talking today about a man God uses, and God used this man who was humble, who was tested, and who was obedient. And as a result, the power and presence of God was felt that day. And you talk about a person God uses, just powerful, powerful, uh, to see what happened on this showdown in 1 Kings 18. That's so good. We'll take a little break. Dr. Jarrett Stevens is our guest. We're talking about Elijah. I assume you know that by now. But after a short break, we'll be right back. Welcome back, Dr. Jarrett Stevens is our guest. We're talking about Elijah today. And it seems like as I'm studying this with you, Jarrett, you're doing a fantastic job. Well, just so you know, when we focus on all the problems of this world, we can get our eyes off the Lord and become pretty discouraged. And I see that was true with Elijah. When he got his eyes off the Lord, he was in a bad place. Yes, absolutely, uh, and that's First Kings nineteen. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think you know, oftentimes uh, when we go through uh, times of discouragement, um, you know, and, and depression, really, and we don't need to run from that word depression. I think as Christians, we sometimes want to, um, you know, kind of uh, lighten it a little bit and call, call it something that it's not. But some of the greatest people in the Bible. Uh, our heroes of the faith went through depression. I mean, Moses, you read Numbers chapter 11, Moses is so discouraged by the people that he's leading. He's just wearied by their whining and complaining, their lack of gratitude for how God is providing for them. And he tells God in verse 14 of Numbers 11, uh, kill me at once. He wanted God to to take him out. Uh, He he was done with it. Uh, Jonah, Jonah was the same. Uh, God used uh, Jonah to preach this message of revival, an entire city repents. And yet in Jonah chapter, I believe it's the fourth chapter, uh, he says uh, there in verse 8, he says he asked that he might die and said it's better for me to die than live. You read the Psalms, David's journal. That's all it is, is is the highs and lows of life. Jeremiah was the weeping prophet. I just say this to to highlight that depression is uh, normal. uh, I, I won't say that Jesus was depressed, but Isaiah 53 calls him a man of sorrows. He knows what it is to feel darkness. And so when you get to Elijah's life uh, in 1 Kings 19, I mean, he goes from this great victory uh, to depression. And I think there's a couple of key things that we need to to look out for in our in our life. Oftentimes, depression hits Christians, number one, after an intense experience. 
that was that was Elijah's life. I mean, he had this intense experience where he he had you know this uh, this battle with the gods, and um, and immediately flows out of that. You know, he's he's on this spiritual high. I can imagine the adrenaline that was running through his system, the warfare. I mean, it had to be one of the most intense times of his life there in First Kings. 18, and yet he comes out of this intense experience, and that's when depression uh, sets in. And so uh, I think that's that we need to look for as believers, you know, when we go through intense experiences, I don't know what it may be. It may be the loss of a baby, a miscarriage. It may be uh, the death of a family member. It could be the divorce or the breakup of a relationship, not hitting your sales in your business. I don't know what it may be. For We have a ton of pastors maybe listening to us today. Uh, for them, leading out of COVID, we're seeing a bunch of pastors who are in depression coming out of COVID uh, because of just the intensity of ministry and the pressures that have come along with leading during a time like this. And so this is a perfect time uh, where we can tend to spin into uh, depression. First Kings 19, uh, Elijah becomes depressed. He was afraid of Jezebel because she's coming after him, and uh, he runs for his life. And uh, it's just, a, you know, what a, what a picture. I mean, he, he just battles 850 prophets on Mount Carmel, and he, now he's running from one pagan woman. Uh, it's just amazing to me. But what happens is, um, what happens is when we enter times of depression and discouragement, our problems often become bigger than God because that's, that's what we're magnifying. We magnify the problem. Uh, Gary Enrig, uh, he wrote a book on Elijah, and he said Elijah's problem was simple to diagnose. Jezebel had become bigger to him than God. At his most vulnerable moment, a person had become big, and God had become small. And so intense experiences uh, in life can be followed by seasons of depression, and so we just need to be aware of it. We need to be on alert. Uh, we don't need to, you know, Satan loves to catch believers off guard when our mind is on cruise control, when we're emotionally and spiritually uh, spent. And so I would really encourage those of us that are listening that if they are in a season of depression, look back and have they just been through an intense experience? Uh, that's, that's not uh, abnormal. It's normal and it's okay. But let's magnify God and not our problem. I'll tell you another trigger to depression and discouragement is unmet expectation. So you have intense experiences that can lead to depression, but unmet expectations. Uh, there's no question that Elijah, you know, he thought after the battle of the gods and fire coming down that Ahab was going to bow the knee and lead the people in national repentance, but that's not what happened. Um, uh, God answers by fire, but Ahab doesn't bow the knee. Uh, national revival doesn't take place. And so when uh, Elijah's reality doesn't line up with his expectation. What happened was it caught him off guard, and it, it led him into depression. We've got to be very careful when expectation and reality aren't lining up. And the larger that gap is, that's what I call the frustration gap. Uh, think about it in our marriages when uh, many so many arguments and fights come up because expectation and reality aren't lining up. And so uh, we've got to make sure – uh, think about it in the context of your job. Sometimes you're, you're upset with your employees or your employer's upset with you because expectation and reality aren't lining up. And so uh, unmet expectations can have a slide into uh, depression. Uh, we see the frustration gap in Elijah's life. That's where he says, man, I wish it's better for me uh, to, to die. 
Uh, he said, take me away. My life is no better than my father's. And uh, his expectation, his reality didn't line up. And so he gets angry with the Lord and it causes him to slide into a bit of depression. And so I would, you know, I would encourage those that are listening. Is there unmet expectations in your life? Sometimes that's a trigger uh, for depression. And my encouragement to you is to make sure that you're in with a community of people. This is the importance of being part of a, a church uh, because you have people that can speak the truth in love. You have people that can encourage you, uh, that can speak of God's love and his nature over you. Proverbs 18, verse 1 says that whoever isolates himself seeks his own desires, and he breaks out against all sound judgment. When we're discouraged and depressed, we have a tendency to want to be alone, um, and that is a sure warning system. That's a red flag that we don't need to when we feel that way, we need to make sure we're more in biblical community where people who love us and can speak the truth to us are with us. Uh, and so uh, watch, you know, discouragement, depression, watch for intense experiences, unmet expectations. And then the third trigger, I would just say, is physical exhaustion. I mean, Elijah was on the run. He's 90 miles from where he originally started in in First uh, Kings 19. And it's not a coincidence that his sense of hopelessness, take away my life, God, that his depression was deepened at a time when he was physically exhausted and emotionally drained. And so physical exhaustion, sometimes they go hand in hand. You know, when we're burning the candles at both ends, you have this feeling of, man, I just want to check out and be done. And that's what Elijah was feeling. Uh, I read an article uh, when I was uh, studying Elijah's life. And it said, we suffer from the HALT syndrome. And if any of our listeners are taking notes, H-A-L-T. Um, this is, it was an article on depression. And it says, sometimes we get depressed when we're hungry, HALT, H-A-L-T. Hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. And the article went on to note that anytime a person experiences an intense combination of these characteristics, he or she is becoming vulnerable to developing some form of depression. And Elijah suffered from all of these. You look at his story. You know, I tell people sometimes the most godly thing that we can do uh, is go take a nap. <laughs> that's some, really good news. <laughs> get, get some rest, right? Uh, that's the importance. Of, that's why Thanksgiving and Christmas is so important. I hope that uh, our listeners will take advantage of these holidays because in the busyness of the season, these built-in times where we get time off, it's so important to rest so that we can recalibrate and recharge. Jesus told his disciples in Mark 6, after a long day of ministry, hey, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. And so I would just say, you know, uh, discouragement. Elijah, we learned that even God's choicest servants, even his greatest prophets, can suffer from discouragement and depression. So if you're, if you're listening to us and you're suffering, you're not alone. Uh, Elijah experienced it. And so just look for those triggers, unmet expectations, intense experiences, um, coming out of uh, just physical exhaustion. Those are those are times of being discouraged. But God awaits you just like he did Elijah with mercy and grace and love. Mm-hmm. Jared, you've done such a fantastic mm-hmm. job today. I I suggest you treat yourself to a large bowl of ice cream tonight. <laughs> oh, well, I would. But I had one last night. <laughs> I, can't do two nights. I can't do two nights. You got to stagger, in a row. don't you? Yeah, I get that. I get I that. You have I brought do. Elijah to life. I so appreciate the teaching, and I know you've done um, a lot of work getting ready for this, and and I so appreciate it, and and it's been inspirational as well. 
Well, thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure to be uh, with you, and I'm honored to be a guest on your show. Well, thank you so much. Uh, that is all the time we have for today, and Dr. Jarrett Stevens has been our guest. And if you missed any of this, I promise you're going to want to go to the podcast at MyFaithRadio.com, the Afternoons with Bill show page, and you can hit start right from the beginning. It's been a, a wonderful show. Peter, that was tremendous. Yeah, even that last part in what she was talking about, the idea that right after Elijah's greatest triumph, he heads into this time in the season of loneliness and depression. Uh, yeah. Despair might be too strong of a word, but... But it just uh, reminded me again that he spent all of this time in preparation and God broke him and shaped him and melted him, as Jarrett was talking about. Uh, and then he goes to this this high mountain experience. And I think we sort of assume at times that then the rest of life is going to be one mountain experience after another, after you've gone through that time of testing. But he had a mountain and now he's back down again. And I just, it just, it was, there's a lot about the rhythms of life in there that I think was really helpful that he teased out. Yeah. Thank you for listening today. Thank you for uh, supporting Faith Radio. And we're so glad that you are... Um a part of our family here. So thank you. And we're going to uh, have our winter fundraiser next week. So we're always looking forward to that because it's a time to get together with our family and hear the great stories of transformation of what God's doing in your life and what God is doing in the life of this uh, amazing ministry. So that's all for today. Have a great evening as you put your head on that pillow. Know that God's working out his great plan in your life and he loves you. I do too. See you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.